Hello, everybody, and welcome to AMTV Radio. This is the new podcast show where we talk with very special guests about all things related to pop culture and just generally nostalgia. And for this inaugural episode of AMTV Radio, I have a very special guest with me today. It is a fellow creator here on YouTube. It's Philip Hawkins. Hello, Philip. Hello. Thank you for having me on. No problem, mate. How are you? How's um, how's everything with the pandemic been treating you? Um, it's been it's been interesting. I've had um, me and my wife have had a, a new baby um, right at the top of the lockdown, so that was fun. Oh, blimey! Uh, hospitals <laughs> were very restrictive on what we could do and when I could visit and yes. things. So yes. it's been it's been an interesting one. This this pandemic um yeah oh sure but i'm i I mean as long as you're all safe and well and you know baby's at home now and you're all we are fine it's all safe all all, we are all good now we're just very hot today (laughs) i don't know when you're putting this out but we were recording this right in the middle of like the heat wave yeah we'll call it the great heat wave of, of 2020 for anyone who's like watching this later on yeah but no, definitely. It's absolutely sweltering here. And I think I always notice, you know, with um, I think it's a British thing, isn't it? Because, you know, like when you go abroad and Brits go, oh, it's like 30 degrees. It's horrible. And like the locals just sort of look and laugh at us. I think it's just because we're not used to it. So we've got this very like uppity way of going about it. But yeah. And there's, there's something very different about going on holiday to Spain where you can mostly lay by the pool all day and get in it when it get when you get a bit too hot and then <laughs> yeah. get out and land. But that's fine. We can deal with 30 yeah, degrees. Then. Yeah. But at home, when you when we're in our houses that maintain heat constantly <laughs> yes. and, uh, and we have to do all our normal stuff like work, it's not yeah. fun. <laughs> no, not fun at all. But um, uh, congratulations anyway on the new baby. And I wish Thank all you. of you the best, despite, you know, it being very odd times right now but at least you'll be able to say to them when they're older hey you were you were born during the start of a global pandemic i suppose we may have bought a couple of custom items of clothing with something along those lines on them i like it i like i was born during the 2020 (laughs) pandemic i like it that's cool um, I guess so for, for the audience, who I'm sure some of the audience watching will know who you are because I think, I, I think I've think i noticed from people who watch, let's say, any of my Doctor Who videos or when I go to the comments of other Who-tubers, it seems everyone likes to watch a wide variety of Who-tubers, if you get what I mean. That It never just seems to be like one person. So I'm sure some of my audience are aware of you and your videos and vice versa. But for anyone who isn't, do you just want to talk a bit about your channel and what sort of things you talk about? Yeah, so I'm uh, I have a sort of pop culture commentary review type channel. Um, it's uh, it's not it's not completely a YouTube channel in the sense I do talk about other things, but I mean I think that's what I'm most known for because. I would say at least 50% of my videos end up being about Doctor Who because <laughs> that is my that's just my main fandom. But I do also talk about things like uh, Star Trek. I do regular reviews of Star Trek and the MCU, superheroes. I do the occasional book review when I feel like it, when I get around to reading anything. Um, so I do cover other elements of pop culture as well, but it ends up being at least 50% Doctor Who. No, I feel that. I mean, do do you think in a way that's I don't want to use the word like the YouTube trap, but do you know it's that thing where like you, you, you there's one topic or one type of video you make as a creator that seems to you know do really well in like audience response, and then you know because uh, I, I find that with my uh, with like my ident review series for example, it seems like no matter what I try to do that's different, there's always people saying where's the ident review, where's the ident review sort of thing. So. Yeah, but I appreciate it that you, you talk about different stuff because I think especially as 
more and more people come onto the platform, I would argue sometimes it can be, it, well, I think as a creator, sometimes it feels harder to do different things, if that makes sense, because you feel, oh, I feel, sorry, if I do different things, I might lose some of the audience that knows me for one thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I do slightly worry about that because I, as I said, I'm aware most of my audience is there for the Doctor Who stuff because, it, and it's quite obvious from the analytics because I will do a video on Doctor Who. If I do a Doctor Who review of like the currently airing series, that can get thousands of views. I do a I do a review of Star Trek and again, an episode that's just gone out and it'll get hundreds of views. So it's quite, I, I mean, to be fair, it took several years to build up to thousands of views. So I'm hoping that I will gradually get, you know, a bit of Star Trek audience building as well, a bit of like MCU audience building as well. And it'll sometime maybe in a few years time, even out, <laughs> but <laughs> you never know. No, you'd hope so. As I say, I just, I've, I've got much respect for you for, for just doing it. Cause I see a lot of creators over the years that I've either followed or, you know, a- admire or whatever, who, you know, started out doing, I guess what we do, you know, a whole multitude of different things. And then just because of that audience demand or outside pressure or whatever, they end up doing that, you know, that one specific thing. And I just think it's a bit sad sometimes when creators almost feel like they have to do that one thing and they feel like they can't do anything else. But, you know, there's people like me and you who are trying to buck that trend, I suppose, and fight against the system as it were. So yeah, more power to you. Um, on this, on the Doctor Who side of things, um, I had a few things I wanted to ask you, just as a fellow Whovian, because I'd argue sometimes these days the conversation about Doctor Who can get a bit lost on social media. It can go a bit out of whack. You know, people lose their heads a bit, especially when it's you know just over text interaction. Um, so I'm curious on what your thoughts on the latest series were, series twelve. Generally, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I'm I'm not someone because I know that there's been a bit of like uh backlash against by some people uh both sort of reasonable and the more unreasonable sort of backlash but the the sort of uh timeless children stuff timeless child stuff which a lot a lot of people have a lot of opinions about i didn't mind it as a concept i thought the episode itself was a little bit weak in the terms of it it delivered all this information to us it was basically exposition 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 most of the way through the episode so i don't think it was a very good episode but i quite like the changes it introduced yes no i i think i was along the same lines because i remember that you know the night it went out and you go on twitter or the social media just to check the response and it was all the comments saying oh doctor who's been completely ruined this has ruined everything but i thinking when watching it like yes it was a big game changer but it also did that unique thing of it changed a lot, but then also at the same time changed nothing at all, which I thought was an interesting like thing to walk away from it. And I mean, I yeah. I, en- I enjoyed the series uh, as a whole. I think the only thing, because I really enjoy Jodie's portrayal personally as the Doctor. I think she's doing a, a great job. I mean, it's not perfect as in like, you know, the stories or writing or whatever. But I mean, uh, for, in my opinion, for example, uh, do you remember the episode Praxius, the one about the uh, oh yeah, like yeah. plastic? Like I do get it. Obviously, like plastic pollution, it, you know, it's a very serious topic. It's something that you know, if TV drama addresses it, cool. But I just thought it sort of bashed audiences around the head too much. I don't know if you agree on that. I just thought it was a, towards the end of it. I was a bit like, well, okay, I get it. Like you know, plastic's bad. You don't need to keep like saying it straight like that i didn't find that so much with praxius i found that more with orphan 55 um and it was the it was the it was right at the end and it it, the speech and stuff at the end which 
it just felt really out of place and it didn't it felt like felt like one of those sort of saturday morning cartoons from the 80s um i where the, at the end of the episode they would stop the, the 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 episode would finish but then the characters would gather i remember this happening in thundercats the characters would gather and they they would say the moral of the story out loud and just like that's the moral of the story kids and then they would that's snarf would tell a joke and they'd all laugh and but it felt a bit like that so i don't mind i absolutely don't mind there being a message in in doctor who i think it's it's ingrained in the show it has been that way forever um and i i don't think praxius did it too badly it's still one of my lower ranked episodes of the series but uh, i wasn't that wasn't the reason why on that one however with orphan 55 um and especially the bit at the end it was a bit too just like a blunt hammer on it at the end that yeah, felt like, really out of place like you say sort of those like 80s almost like psas at the end it's like oh we've had a bit of fun now we've got to tell you a serious message and yeah exactly right. yeah and, and yeah. practice to its credit didn't do that so yeah no that's fair and uh, I guess the other point of season 12 I'd love to get your uh, opinion on is um, I think it's talked about a lot. I think it was from the Can You Hear Me episode, um, the whole do- the scene where, you know, um, Graham tells the doctor about his fears of his cancer returning and the response of the of her being like, oh, I'm a, I'm still a bit socially awkward, you know, essentially not answering the his fears or whatever. Um, I know for a lot of people that was quite a controversial scene. You know, a lot of people didn't like it because they thought it was being disrespectful to those who you know had fears or suffered from cancer and some people didn't mind it as much i found myself sort of being in a weird middle space i could see both sides of the argument and to be honest even thinking about it now i'm still not quite sure where i sit on how i feel about it i'd be curious to know your thoughts on it uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to enlighten you much because I think I'm in the same position. I, <laughs> it's I difficult, isn't it? It, it's is, like, it is really yeah. difficult. I, I think I can get where people are coming from, um, but it didn't bother me in the moment so much. I think I think I noticed it. I can't remember if I mentioned it on my review or not, but I I think I I just thought, oh, that's a that's a little bit odd, but I can see I could also see why she would act like that it's kind of the doctors always kind of had this slight social awkwardness about them um in many different incarnations uh, other than probably probably all of them other than david tennant and, oh, oh yeah mr uh, suave you know yeah so. exactly uh so it's kind it kind of fits it kind of fits with the doctor's character so i, do, I understand why they did it like that but i also understand why some people might find it a bit jarring as well no, absolutely. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks it, because I think anyone before who I've said it to has been like, no, it was an absolutely disgraceful scene, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, right, I should have just kept my mouth shut then. But um, in other, like, main Who news, what do you think about Christopher Eccleston coming back to, oh, to a big finish? That's very exciting. I pre-ordered that. That's the quickest pre-order I've ever done something on big finish. I ordered all four box sets pre-ordered, so I've got the bundle coming to me over the space of two years um so that's yeah that's very exciting because that's the kind of thing that we just never thought well we kind of hoped it would happen but it seemed he was the least likely of all of them to come back so the fact that he is i think it was after the 50th when he didn't appear for that i think for a lot i know certainly for me that sort of dashed my hopes at the time you know i thought oh well he's never coming back then do you know what i mean like if he's not coming back for the 50th then why would he come back for anything else so 
no, it's really exciting. And do you think some people are, because I've seen a lot on, both on YouTube and social media, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, this like definitely means it'll come back for the 60th. Do you think people are like overhyping it a bit or like over um, speculating of what might come from him in the future? I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but I just think at the minute, you know, just as it's been announced, in my opinion, I think maybe are we jumping the gun a bit? I think maybe a little. I mean, but I do think it it does massively increase the likelihood of it happening. And so, therefore, I think it's it's fine to speculate about it. But if it's certainly not a done deal, we, you know, I think it'll probably depend on, it probably depend on sort of how we, you know, obviously, famously, he left the show because he didn't get on with the people that were in charge at the time. I we don't know how he feels about Chris Chibnall. Um, I don't know if he's ever encountered him on a professional level or not. Uh, apparently, he really got on with Stephen Moffat, but it still wasn't quite enough to to bring him back. Um, but uh, yeah, so it'll depend on probably how he feels about Chris Chibnall, how he feels the the story he's pitched. It'll probably depend on that as well, because I I kind of get the impression that he's an actor that very much picks and chooses his projects based on how much he thinks they'll stretch him. So if it's if he if he finds it an interesting prospect, that will help. And then probably also how the reaction to his audios go down as well might influence it. If, you know, if at the moment, and hopefully it stays this way, most of the fandom is very enthusiastic about it. I haven't really seen a bad word said about it. Um, so other than the, the people that I've seen occasionally go, oh, it's only audio. Ugh. Which, <laughs> we can just ignore them. Um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, so I, I think as long as that enthusiasm stays, because I think it was the fans' enthusiasm for him at events over the last couple of years that mm, has, mm. and him seeing that, that has sort of brought him back into the fold a bit anyway. So fingers crossed that momentum will continue. No, absolutely. I mean, I can't believe you say those people say, oh, it's only audio. I'm like, come on, it's been it's been 15 years, for goodness sake. Like, let's anything Christopher Eccleston, I'll happily like <laughs> I'll scoop up at this point. So, no, it's 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 really exciting Um, to deviate away from Doctor Who for a moment. As you say, you, you also discuss other like fandoms you're interested in, uh, one being Star Trek. Um, I, now I must admit I'm not like a huge Trekkie myself I've seen some of the movies I've dabbled with the t- some of the TV shows a little bit but I wouldn't consider myself like a diehard Trekkie not not enough to know everything although I do see again like with the Star Trek uh, Discovery show um, I know there's a lot of uh, controversy around that for various aspects um, where do you think Star Trek is now in terms of like being in a do you as a fan do you think it's in a healthy position or is it in a bit of dire straits uh, what what's your take on it at the moment i i think it's in uh well certainly i mean we we've got the most star trek shows in production than ever before so from that perspective it's very healthy because you know we got two shows on at the same time in the 90s but currently we've got discovery we've got picard we've got uh the new lower decks which has just started We've got another cartoon that's more aimed at kids coming called Star Trek Prodigy on Nickelodeon. And there's the Strange New Worlds, which is the Spike and Pop, uh, not Spike, Pike and uh, Spock spin-off as well as set on the early Enterprise. So that's, what, six, five shows? How many did I count? I've lost count. But it's five or, five or six shows are all in production at the same time. So from that perspective, it's in a very healthy state. 
yeah oh that's i mean that's great i mean as i say i'm not like i don't feel i'm embroiled enough in the the franchise to know the ins and outs but that that's reassuring in a way because what i have seen i have really enjoyed and i would like to get into star trek a bit more to be honest uh oddly enough despite there being a pandemic i feel i've had less time to do anything just because i've been doing youtube so <laughs> but um no when i get the chance i'd love to as as a relative newcomer would you recommend any particular jumping off point like do i need to start with the original series from the 60s or is there a better place to jump off um i'd say you well it's it's depends on your tastes but uh the 90s shows are kind of all they're kind of if you're going to do the 90s shows it's probably best to start with the next generation because they kind of all lead into one another in a slight way i mean they're not like directly tied but like wharf uh who joins deep space nine is originally a character on the next generation for instance so from that perspective, I mean, you could watch and you could watch the original start with the original series if you want to. Just know it's going to be very different from everything else. Um, uh, you know, I wouldn't do the movies before watching the TV shows, those kind of things. But uh, you know, just pick and choose. My favorite one is Deep Space Nine out of all of the Star Trek series. That's probably my favorite. But it probably, like I said, it's probably not narratively the best one to start with because you get characters coming in from TNG, which you probably could get know them get to know them on deep space nine but if you've got that background of knowing them on um yeah it, the next it's just having that backstory isn't it it just yeah. helps helps the connection i suppose and um with the other franchise you mentioned the mcu i mean obviously we had the the big climax of the first three phases last year i guess with you know with endgame and I mean, I thought after, even though I know uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home was technically the last part of Phase Three, but yeah. obviously Endgame was like the big celebration, if you like, of everything up until that point. And I mean, I remember at the time, and still to some extent now, I was kind of in like a very low-key way worried that now that we've had this big like boom, are these movies still? I know they'll still get audiences; people are still going to see them, but are they going to have the same weight, same impact if they're if they're going to do the same? thing again almost you know like if they do two or three phases that build up to like a team-up movie is it going to have that same pull that same grab that the avengers films had yeah i don't know really is uh, i guess from the ones that they've got announced for the next phase it kind of feels like mostly you've got a couple of characters which are carrying over into solo films so so you're getting another, we're getting another thor film and we're getting um a black widow film although she hasn't had a solo film She's very much part of those previous films still. Uh, but then they're introducing so many other new films and new characters that it kind of feels a little bit like Phase 1 again. So I think it will be like Phase 1 was, where it, there wasn't, a, you know, there were little little hints tying things together, but they weren't. it wasn't part of one big plot as such. Um, it'll probably get something. So, that, so they'll probably work very much as standalone films in that phase and then start pulling people together again maybe in the end of that phase like they did with the avengers maybe in the first phase i don't know i don't know it's, i don't know where they're going to go with it but i'm probably going to go watch every single one of them so. <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah me too and buy the dvd box sets when they come out as well i'm a sucker for that but um yeah, I just, I mean, I thought like with the, well, when they eventually released the Black Widow on, because I think, wasn't that meant to come out in the spring? I'm assuming delayed because of everything that's that's happened. I might be wrong on that, but I just, yeah, I, yeah it I should have been out I, by now. I, I think it's November now. I think that's the November. current date they've got. So obviously it depends if they, if we, if cinemas have to close again and yeah, whatever, touch, then... touch wood they don't have to. But I, I just wonder with like doing more 
obviously with new characters and origin movies i know i found with certainly in phase three when you got to things like captain marvel which was of you know in essentially the the origins of captain marvel i felt as an audience member i'd sort of been spoiled to of the of the other films that were continuing stories if that makes sense rather than telling origins at that point so i was spoiled by uh trying to think of phase three now well like you know avengers like infinity war and endgame and uh, all those continuing ones so then to have an origin story didn't feel like a step backwards per se but i just felt as an audience member i i think i'd i'd sort of been conditioned to want more if that makes sense because i was like right we're really rolling now and then to have an origin story was a bit like oh it was like a stop in the tracks um uh, did you feel any anything like that or do you just enjoy them regardless of where they no, place I think in the... I, I think i still enjoy them and, and that one in particular i think the fact that uh, Samuel L. Jackson was in it as Nick Fury and he had uh, Greg Clark as Phil Coulson again, he uh, that really helped make it still, even though it was the origin of one character particularly, those elements helped make it feel part of this world that had been gradually building and that we're just seeing an, uh, an unknown bit of it from the past, if you see what I mean. Yes, no, no, definitely, absolutely. Well... Hopefully it will continue to great act as it has done for the past, what we are now, 12 years, I think. Yeah, 12 years that it, Iron Man 1 first came out. Um, now, I want to just uh, mention, Philip, how I think one of our, I think the first interaction I had with you, at least on, or, or comment I saw of yours on YouTube, was when I made a video about a year and a bit ago about the um, the Doctor Who sets on Blu-ray coming out, the classic sets. Oh, yeah. And I believe at the time uh, you, uh, well, at that comment anyway, you you weren't going to pick them up. And I wasn't no, um, and, and I has, made a has that hot... changed? So... I, maybe I made a whole video, in <laughs> fact, on my channel about why I wasn't buying them, and it was uh, there were five different reasons why I wasn't buying them, but the main one was that I had missed the boat on the first one, and it had gone out of stock completely, and at that point we didn't know we were getting it again because they did do a reissue later. So I kind of I'm I'm very much a completist, and so my me if I had to pick one of the five that was my main reason for going, well, I just won't get them then. Um, is that I thought I'm without spending a stupid amount of money to get series twelve, uh, season twelve, I'm never going to complete the set, so I don't want to start a set I'm never going to complete. So that was my I mean I had other reasons as well, but they were a bit more frivolous that I would easily put aside. Um, and they were things like oh. The, the the logo on the side being the current logo not that it wasn't the fact that the logo being the current logo that bothered me is the fact that they were doing it to unite the brand which makes sense but what if the brand changes again are they going to change and then because they're not releasing them in order it's not like we're going to go along a shelf and suddenly it'll change which wouldn't be too bad it would be like really random and sporadically different logos so which is a a, a very small minor reason but like I say, the big reason was that uh, that the series season 12 had sold out and I didn't want to spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds trying to get it off eBay. But then they announced the reissue and I was like, oh, I could probably still pick up the rest. I'll go on then. And then so I, I did buy them and now I've got all the ones that have been released so far. <laughs> uh, no, I'm exactly the same. I, I, I think when... Because I started with, um, well, when they first came out, I didn't actually have a Blu-ray player, amazingly. I didn't own even, you know, like a PlayStation 4. I, I didn't have a means to play a Blu-ray. So, of course, when they first announced Season 12, I was like, nah, well, I'm, you know, I can't get this. I physically can't play it. And then um, in 2019, I got a PlayStation 4, and I think a light bulb switched on going, ah, I can I can play Blu-rays. Those, those Doctor Who sets are still being 
being released. So I picked up season 10, I think, was my first one. And I paid a little bit more than I wanted for season 19. But nevertheless, I, I got it. But then, uh, yeah, like you say, I did have that sort of lingering thing in the back of my mind. Like, oh, am I never going to have a complete set? Because season 12 will cost me like a, ha- a deposit on a house you yeah. know, by that point. So, but yeah, the re-release. I don't know if you yours was correct. But when I got my re-release, my discs had the season 10 printing on them. Mine didn't. They had the right printing on. So ah, you got luck. Lucky. Well, I I remember complaining on um. Well, I I wrote a very not strongly worded email, but I wrote an email to the you know BBC Studios and whatnot, and they said, oh, you can send us the whole the whole thing back, and we'll we'll eventually send you out one. But to be honest, I, I I looked at it and thought, well, you know, all the box is correct. You know, the spine's correct. Am I really that bothered about? the discs myself and i was like not of the hassle of you know paying for post and packaging to send it back and all that so so i have left it so you know maybe in 50 years when if i ever need to sell them maybe the versions with season 10 printing might be worth more who knows but But yeah sometimes they are aren't they the things with mistakes on end up being worth more than the things that were printed correctly so yeah that's what i'm banking on so but um, yeah yeah, do you think the do you think the modern series should fall in line with these sets as well? But but numbered so like Christopher Eccleston's season is season twenty seven as opposed to series one. Uh, yeah, I think they should definitely get round to releasing them in this style. That would be really good. I'd like to see that. So then I can then we can have the whole of Doctor Who on our shelves looking exactly the same. Because <laughs> my my current modern series of Doctor Who on on DVD as I've got it just looks a jumbled mess because I've got all sorts of different styles of box sets. Um, uh, so that would be nice. I don't know how I, I I'm I'm not really wedded one way or the other to how they should label them. They could go that way, but I have a feeling from a marketing perspective that would confuse people. So yeah, it'd be. For those diehard fans like us that know about the fact how many seasons there were before the the, the reboots or the, the the restarts, then that would be fine. But I think it'd probably be easier for them to, or they maybe they'll go down the route of how they've labelled them in America. Because have you seen how they've how they've labelled? Yes, them in isn't it like Tom Baker like see, season one or something? Yeah, so yeah, Tom yeah. Baker season one, which I, I'm not keen on, but. Uh, but they could go down that route for the modern series, I uh, guess. They could. I guess. I guess we need to be thankful we're getting these sets in general, so we can't can't be too picky about. Oh, yeah. you must do season twenty seven. But um, how? I wonder though, how are they going to handle McGann? Like, are they? Because uh, obviously that's just yeah. one story. You can't really dedicate. I mean, you you could try put in like six discs. Because how much was the the DVD special edition? Was I think two or three discs? I think I can't quite remember. Uh, yeah. Uh, but you could well, what you could do two things i suppose you could either tack it onto the end of um on mccoy's last box and not give him his own box uh just included in that or you could do a set and just include a lot of other extras maybe some big finish they could do a tie up with big finish and put some of the big finish i'm sure big finish would be up for that because if they put the first you know they could put the first couple of the eighth doctor's adventures free in there that might hook people in and who will then go and buy the rest of the series from them so yeah things like storm over orion and uh, chimes of midnight that sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. some of those no. original eighth doctor adventures on audio they could put in no beautiful stories really beautiful stories some of my favorites from the i haven't listened to all of big finish but the ones i have like i, I listened to chimes of midnight quite recently and i thought 
from an audio standpoint, you know, in terms of how it's crafted, I think it's absolutely, you know, absolutely fantastic, brilliant, top notch. But yeah, and um, on a slightly more, uh, not serious, I'm joking, of course, but there's a lot of talk at the minute, you know, is Doctor Who going to be cancelled? Um, I think that's not going to happen in the near future, personally. Again, like, as you mentioned before, like, you know, from a marketing aspect, like the show makes so much money for the BBC and relevant partners, not just from the show, but obviously from merchandising, etc. But yet there are still people who think in the next, say, two or three years, the show is going to go under. Um, just curious where you stand on that perspective, really. I don't think so. Uh, like you say, I think it brings in, still brings in too much money for the BBC for them to cancel it. Why would they do that? That's that's It's one of their top performing shows. I know... Um, it was used to be only second to um, Top Gear. I don't know how Top Gear is doing these days, but it's um, yeah, it's it's. I don't think they're going to be cancelling it anytime soon. And from I vaguely remember them talking about hadn't they sold something to ch- sold the rights to air it to China for well, at the time it was like five years, but it's probably down to about three now um so it's probably i mean at least got that i and also just from a i can't imagine they would cancel it before the 60th we're so close to the 60th now that it's definitely not going to happen before then so if it does get cancelled it won't be for a while we'd be we're going to get at least another doctor before anything like that happens and it would take a lot for them to want to cancel it and even then they won't refer to it as cancelling it they'll be resting it because it's an it's a it's an IP they can bring back at any time. Intellectual property they can bring back at any time. So why would they? Why they would never say it's cancelled for good. They would just and and I've, that's the thing I quite appreciate about British TV is that you your show can go off the air for years, sometimes like a decade, and then suddenly there'll be a new series of it, and it will just be like pick up as if nothing had happened. Happens with Red Dwarf. Yeah, happened. It, it, it used to happen all the time with Only Fools and Horses. You know, you'd get it, you get a short series, and then you wouldn't have a series for like five or six years, and then you'd get another random series. So, and that's quite unique to British TV, I think. You don't get that with American TV. You will occasionally get a revival of something when they're trying to tie into nostalgia, but not in the same way where it's just like, oh yes, the next series. And then oh no, absolutely. Like... I think with American TVs, you say once something's done, they're like, right, that's it. You know, that's done. Never touching that again. Which yeah, I think that's something British TV has the edge over. It seems like once, even when a show gets cancelled, if it, I think if it was loved by to some degree by an audience, I think yeah, like the creatives behind it always think, oh well, we you know, as you say, we could bring this back. Like with Red Dwarf, I think wasn't there like ten years between the end of the original run? I think it was like ninety nine and two thousand and nine. I think yeah, it was like the big gap. Yeah, so I mean. If that can out and well, or Doctor Who itself, like eighty nine to ninety six, and then ninety six to two thousand and five. I mean, they, those are huge gaps in t in TV years, at least. Anyway, so, um, but I think this cancellation thing, mate. Well, what I saw, I don't know if you've heard the. Well, it's not a theory. It's a someone's done like you know a theory about is history repeating itself in terms of you know like Tom Baker was arguably the most popular Doctor of the classic series. Arguably, David Tennant is the most popular of this series, and then. Their successors had big shoes to fill, Peter Davidson and Matt Smith. Uh, Colin Baker and Peter Capaldi had turbulent, uh, you know, first seasons or reactions, whatever. And now Jodie mirroring Sylvester is the supposed decline. I mean, I think I think that theory is if you look for that there, it's a nice thing to put together. 
but as you say i don't think it, it's it's spelling you know doom and gloom for the show that it's going to be cancelled rested whatever if that makes sense no and anything that runs long enough is going to start to get a bit of fatigue on it you know audience fatigue because simply from the fact that it's gone on for so long um uh, so so you either need to rest it or just just to give the audience a chance to catch their breath and and then maybe when it comes back it's an exciting announcement that it's coming back or you do something else that like injects a bit of buzz around it which i guess is what they tried to do with with joey's casting um that was you know that was definitely talked about quite a lot in the press i don't think it had quite the effect that they had hoped for um but uh which is a shame because she's done a fantastic job and i really really enjoyed her portrayal of the character um so it's a it's a bit of a shame it didn't quite have the 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 buzz that was created around it didn't lead to as much of an uplift as it could have done no sure for sure i mean as you say i i'm I'm with you in the sense that i think jody's doing a fantastic job in the role I, i remember when she got announced i was really happy because not only had i seen her in broadchurch have you seen her in the film adult life skills no i haven't oh no no that's not yeah i was thinking that i was trying to think have i seen that but no the thing i'm thinking of is black mirror episode so it's not that oh it's a i think well in my opinion it's a really beautiful um like it's an independent film and the basic premise is she's uh playing a 30 something who's living in a a mum's shed and she's uh does all sorts of odd quirky things because she doesn't well, she's not ad- adulting as me and you would, I suppose, but obviously that's linked to some sort of personal trauma. And it's a, in one hand, it's a very simple film. Like the story's not very extravagant, you know, it's not very uh, expensive in terms of its budget. But I just think, from a story perspective, and certainly from Jodie's acting, it's a real beautiful film. So I, I don't know if it's on any uh, streaming services, but it's certainly available on DVD. So I'd highly recommend um, Adult Life Skills to yourself and anyone listening, really. I think it. Because I think having seen that really made me think like, yeah, she's a really good, you know, a really good actress and a solid mm-hmm. choice for the part as well. So, yeah, highly recommend that. Yeah, um, I have to check that out. I've only really seen her in before Doctor Who in Broadchurch and like I say, the Black Mirror episode she was in, which she was really good in too. Uh, that was fantastic. I don't know, have you seen Black Mirror? I've, I've, well, I've, I've got an interesting thing. I, I dabbled with it when it first, you know, when it first started. Yeah, and I I liked like I liked the style and stuff, but I don't know what it was. There was just something about it that didn't click with me at the time. So I know there's been many subsequent um, series and specials and stuff, but I've never really delved back in. Although it's one of it's one of many shows because when I do the when I do my Q and A show on a Sunday, I mean the amount of shows people say, you know, do you watch this? Do you watch that? And legitimately, there are shows I'm like, oh, I should watch that. I'll add it to my ever increasing list. Like <laughs> Black is- Mirror is certainly one of them. Yeah. There is too much TV these days, isn't there? There's just I I have my my two watch list on Netflix and everything else on Amazon Prime and all that. It's just it's huge, and I will know I will never get around to watching most of the TV series I put on there. But I'm always like I need to get around to that, and, uh, and very occasionally I get around around to a new series that somebody's been recommending me for years. Like there's there's loads I uh, like. Apparently The Expanse is a really good sci-fi. Uh, a couple of friends keep telling me to check out and every time I, they see me they're like have you watched it yet and every time I'm like no I haven't, haven't had a chance <laughs> because all, all the shows I currently watch take up all my viewing time so I don't have time to add new shows in yeah uh, take me back to growing up with 
the four main channels that'll that'll do me there was enough choice across that for me that was i mean i didn't even have channel five <laughs> i mean not that not that i think i'm missing a great deal but you know uh, i mean four channels was enough so then suddenly when i think i was about 11 or 12 when we got you know like a skybox and then suddenly it's like oh wow there's 500 channels it's like where where do you start sort of thing so no i mean take me back to a a much simpler time in my opinion Although I find, do you find there's are there any shows that like say the masses or like a lot of your friends or family like really love, but you find you don't as much? Like with me as an example, like all my friends love Game of Thrones, like they adore it. They're like it's the best thing ever. I remember watching the whole first season not long after it aired, and I was like, I really appreciate you know the creative side behind it, you know like how it was made, the acting, the the sets, the co- you know I appreciate it from that standpoint. But again, there was just something about it that just wasn't gripping me at all and i i always felt bad every year because my friends would be like oh this this new season of game of thrones is incredible and i'd be like i don't dig it i mean do you do you have a show or a movie like that where it's like universally loved and you're sort of like yeah not so much the the movie I, I i don't have a tv show like that but i do have a movie that i see praised constantly and everyone seems to love it and it's a cult classic mm. but i watched it for the first time a couple of years ago and i was just like yeah i'm i'm a bit bored and that's um uh the princess bride ah right okay (laughs) it's it's very quotable i'll give them that there's a lot of quotable lines in it but for me it just it felt like and i guess this is maybe part of the point of it but the it felt like people just badly acting (laughs) most of the time and it and i was like i don't i don't get Right, because I was around a friend's house, and he was like, oh, you, we, we decided to watch a movie, and he was like, oh, this is really good, this is really good, and I think he'd, you know, it'd been a cult classic that he'd loved since childhood, and yeah, I just didn't, I was, didn't get it, I didn't, I, I wasn't interested in it at all, really, I don't know what it was about no, it. I get I, I have seen it many, like, I've seen it once many years ago, and I did enjoy it, but I can, I completely understand what you mean about, you know, you say it seems like they're just all badly acting, for want of a, for want of a better word, but no, my my film with that is a come. It's a it's it's the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, I'd, I'd, I know, I know. It's been controversy for me for years. Again, it's like Game of Thrones. I've seen all three. I've seen all three extended editions as well. Before anyone in the comments comes at me saying you haven't watched the extended editions, I've seen all three extended editions. Given twelve hours or however much of it is of my life to it. And um, again, like Game of Thrones, I appreciate the set, the acting, the cost, everything like that, but. It just didn't. I just found it all a bit too much. I mean, do do you enjoy the trilogy? I do. I like I like Lord of the Rings um, uh, very much. And my wife is a massive Lord of the Rings sort of geek. She's uh, had a uh, when I met her at uni, she had a massive big map of of Middle Earth on her dorm dorm wall. Um, so uh, so yeah, we've we've very much got we've got various. Funko Pops and Lego Lego sets of Lord of the Rings and stuff around oh. the house because of well, that. Well, if, you, if so, you play this part of the podcast back, make sure she's not in the room when I in, clearly say... She's in the room right now, so... Oh, uh... I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she probably, like, snapped her head towards the screen when she heard the words, yeah, I don't really like Lord of the Rings. She can only hear my side so, of the conversation. Oh, so oh good, uh, oh, so good. She doesn't know she, that you said uh, you didn't no, like it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> now she's pulling her face. Oh, no, I, I always stress that, like, because, you know, as as you say, like, when you say that to people, they go, oh, how can you, as this, uh, again, I appreciate, you know, everything about it that went into it, you know, Peter Jackson, 
masterful director. I'll give him props for doing it because a lot of people doubted him when he made those films. I know that, so fair play. There's just something about it for me that just doesn't click. I think it's that sort of... Well, like Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, you know, sort of like more, I guess, if you want of a better word, like more like medieval, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Maybe it's just those kind of shows that just don't click. Not everything is for everyone. And if that's not your thing, then that's not your thing. If you don't like that kind of aesthetic and storytelling that you get in Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and that kind of medieval world, then uh, yeah, that's just, it's fine. Yeah. Although I watched the uh, the Disney animated film, The Black Cauldron. I don't know if you've seen that. I watched that recently, and that's sort of in that vein. But I really enjoyed that, so I don't know what the what the I difference is. I have not is. seen that, but I keep on talking about doing a a watch through of, um, and somehow in co- I don't know if I would review each film individually or do like just one video where it sort of mention the, uh, each film and rank them or something. But I want to watch each of the Disney classics in order because. Uh, my wife's also a massive Disney fan, so we've got most of them on DVD, and we've now got Disney Plus. So I think we can watch probably all of the classics apart from Song of the South, the infamous uh, Song of the oh South. Oh yes, the one, is, the one we don't talk about. We don't so. talk about that, and it's not available anywhere anymore. So um... no, I think with that, isn't it the only copy you can get of that is on VHS? I think I think they put it on. I think but... it, yeah, I think it was released on VHS uh in the 90s i think the last yeah. time it was released yeah so if any of you out there have song of the south on vhs you're probably sitting on a gold mine <laughs> but um no i i do uh, just as a if you were planning on doing that series as a heads up because me and my girlfriend found this recently because there was some of like the the older stuff you know like from the 1940s that she hadn't uh, seen yet and i have all the um well the ones that are numbered as you know animated classics on yeah. on my shelf and there's one from i think it's 1940 four or five i think called make mine music which is oh yeah yeah it's basically uh 10 10 short films into one but it's it, I, I like it. it's really varied it's really cool but that's you know one of the older ones it's one a lot of people i think haven't seen you know, everyone knows like pinocchio and dumbo etc so i was like oh we'll watch that and because i think i was feeling really lazy instead of going on my shelf i was like oh we've got the tv on i'll just get it on disney plus and for some reason it's not there yeah. And I don't know why that's the case. So I'd say, I think, though, that's the only one, because we did look. I think that's the only one of the numbered classics that, for whatever reason, is not on Disney+. Plus. It might be something to do with the music, because there's a lot of like old uh, old tracks in it. So maybe it's a it's a rights issue. But, but I, I think that's a brilliant film. But, I mean, p- please do that review series. That'd be really cool, actually, to sort of go through film by film like, of all the classics and, I guess, see how things evolve over time. Yeah. Yeah, there's... Because um, I... I've been thinking about doing that for a while because there's, there's various gaps in what each, which ones I've watched. I haven't watched all of them. So even the ones we've got on the shelf, I haven't watched all of them. So I was do- thinking of doing that for a while. But also there's uh, uh, Tom Dix. Is that his name, Tom Dix? Oh, just wait, check that. Uh, who is a YouTuber. Um, and he used to do Doctor Who videos, uh, but he moved away from that. He used to be called Epic Who. I don't know. Oh yes, no that that, that, that name rings name? a bell. Yeah, is, is Epic it, Who rings a bell. Yeah, um, um, yeah. I can't. Remember. I've forgotten if that's his right last name. But anyway, he's now got a, a new channel where he's uh, focusing on Disney stuff. Uh, it's still the same channel, but he's now moved it to Disney stuff, and he's been going through uh, ranking all of them. He hasn't re- uh, reviewed all of them, so that got me back thinking. Oh yeah, I need to do that at some point. Um, no, no, definitely. I mean. Uh, That'd be cool, like maybe like a Disney tier list or something, like a, 
yeah or some sort of ranking would be really yeah. cool what's um what do you, have you seen any of the uh live action remakes that have been pumped out recently i've seen cinderella um which i thought was quite good i maleficent was good the first one i haven't seen the second one um well beauty and the beast was okay i quite liked it but it was basically the same film so <laughs> there was if you're going to do it, do something slight, do something different with it, because if you're just going to recreate each scene exactly, then what's the point? And I haven't seen any of the really recent ones. So I haven't seen Aladdin. I haven't seen um, Lion King or any of those. More oh, ones. I absolutely despise the new Lion King. Like if you think Beauty and the Beast, as you say, is like a almost like a shot for shot remake. The Lion King one is a shot-for-shot shot remake. Like, so many shots are the same. The script is, like, 95% word-for-word the same. And The Lion King was my favourite one. So, like, I'd, I'd, I feel like I know that script back to front, you know. And, and uh, yeah, it was all just a retread, and it all looked just a bit bland. And I think, I think you lose something when, yes, it's nice and pretty to see realistic-looking lions and whatnot, but I think when you take out that, you know, like, the cartoonish expression of their faces and stuff, you lose so much like when obviously you know the famous scene when scar throws mufasa off the cliff to his death i think what brings so much of that tension is like you know the look of horror on mufasa's face the look of cunning on scar's face you know it really builds it up in this new one it just looks really awkward because you've just got two lions with typically bland faces just like looking at each other do you know what i mean it was just things like that it just it sucked out so much. I haven't seen it, the film itself, but I did see the trailers, and that was my just overall impression of the trailer. Was that the there's just no there's no character to the to the characters because their faces don't show any expression. So it just felt really weird watching the trailer. Um, I probably will get around to watching it on Disney Plus at some point, but I haven't yet. Yeah, I think the most disappointing where that hit was to Timon and Pumbaa, you know, probably the most expressive characters in the whole film. And when they do Hakuna Matata, it just felt a bit awkward more than anything because they're not really they're not really doing anything. So it's a bit. Yeah, I, I just I didn't like that one. But um, I think some of the like the Mulan one looked really promising that from the trailer. Oh, yeah, that's the one they're charging because it's not going out in the cinema now. It's going straight onto Disney Plus, but you have to pay for it, don't you? Like £20 or something. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's some sort of some sort of big charge. And I mean, I get it. Part of me is like, just wait till it eventually comes out on DVD. But then there is a part of me that's like, I did really, like I think out of all the recent remakes, I was like, I was really looking forward to that one specifically. And I actually want to watch The, um, the Lady and the Tramp only on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. Because some people said, because I remember seeing the trailer, I was like, oh, God, they're going to ruin this. But then some people were like, no, do you know what? It's actually a really sweet film. So I feel I have to give that one a chance. But I do think they're going too far. Like they're talking about remaking like Hercules and Hunchback of Notre Dame and their version of Robin Hood and the Aristocats. And it's like, when does it stop? Do you know what I mean? Like, when does it end? In their version of Robin Hood, would he still be a fox? Well, I don't think it's been confirmed yet. I mean, if... Personally, I don't think I'd want. I don't want a remake at all because I love the original Robin Hood. But yeah, if, if I had to pick, I'd rather. Uh, well, but then it's this whole thing of expression again, isn't it? Yeah. I was going to say I prefer them to be animals, but if it's at the cost of expression, then maybe it's better for them to be human, I suppose. But yeah, no, I just, I just think they're running overboard. They saw how like Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast made like billions and billions, and now they're like, right, if we're going to do this every time, 
then let's just go through the list of our back catalogue and they'll they'll get to the obscure ones you watch they'll do black cauldron they'll do oliver and company and all that sort of stuff and then it'll they'll really have run its course yeah what um, i think they should have done with the animals in any of the live action in inverted commas because of course lion king wasn't live action it was computer generated but uh, in inverted commas live action remakes that they do with animals they should go more down the route of uh sort of the kind of style that pokemon detective pikachu did with the pokemon so it still look they still have expressions and look like they should do but they've just got realistic textures to them and you know look like they've got fur and things like that but still look like cartoon characters for well cgi characters um with expressions and, and humanistic features no absolutely i mean I, I don't know if you've seen are you familiar with the youtube channel nitpicks uh i've heard of it i don't think i've seen any of their videos but i have seen it put them pop up occasionally yeah they they did one recently about well basically critiquing the the new lion king and they made a point in it that i really found interesting how um do you remember the i think it was 1996 when they did a live action 101 dalmatians oh yeah yeah i remember watching that at the time yeah and how like in that film the dogs never spoke compared obviously in the animated version they did but there you know there was no dialogue between the the animals but they still told the story you know really well through the through the actions and the, and the music and whatnot and it, he didn't say this specifically in the video but it got me thinking maybe a remade lion king could have been a really beautiful experience if it was just like you know the sights and sounds so to speak because obviously the lion king score is incredible yeah and i will give the remake credit because hans zimmer did come back to redo the score i'll give him credit he he reimagined it in a brilliant way in terms of his um using his orchestra but had the remake just been like the music and the setting and just watch these animals interact as animals i think that could have worked out really well compared to them talking and looking well lifeless quite frankly but um yeah, yeah. That, that would be a film then with no dialogue at all, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I think like it's like have you seen um you know Wally the Pixar film? Yeah, I think the first half of that is so gorgeous. You know when there's the only dialogue is well either Wally saying Wally or Eva saying Eva. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's not really about the dialogue. It's about the the actions and the characters. And the second half's still good when they go on the ship and stuff. But had the whole film been like that, I think that could have been just a really beautiful experience i just think it's a shame movie companies feel like they can't they can either like dip their toes in but they feel like they can't do as you say like the full hog of do a film with no dialogue yeah which i think is a great shame but um um i am aware we're running up to an hour so i will bring things to a a close with uh one final question for you um which was just um going back to doctor who specifically why, in your opinion, do you think Doctor Who is so special or like so beloved by audiences? Oh, God. I, yeah, to be honest, I think it's probably different for everyone. Everyone has, you know, their own reason why they associate with the show, why they it, it speaks to them in some way, or they just, or why they it just they find it very enjoyable entertainment. Um, I think it's got. You know, generally it's got quite a good message, you know, which comes across in the doctor's speeches quite a lot. You know, the I just do this to be kind or that sort of thing. Um, and it uh, it marries that with exciting adventure. And it's got this it, it just feels it's also just feels like a good. Well, it is. It's a British institution. So it it's got that history behind it as well. 
And I don't know if there's, yeah, I don't think there's like one thing that you can like put your finger on and say this is why. I just think it's it's probably different things to different people, and it's it can re I, it it can reinvent itself. There's probably one reason why it's been so successful for so long is that it's not afraid to reinvent itself, and that started right from when the first regeneration happened. It, arguably, it started even before that when they just started swapping out the companions you know they weren't they weren't afraid to change it rather than just ending it because some of your cast wanted to leave um and then when your main character wants or okay he didn't want to leave uh, william hartnell but when when you've decided you need to recast your main character then uh, the fact that reinvention has helped it and each era of the show is very different from each other Yet it still feels like the same show, so it feels like a evolution in the continuation, um, and and because of that, it's able to, um, it, it's probably unique in being able to reinvent itself because of the regeneration aspects of it. No, absolutely. I think that's you've hit it spot on. To be honest, I think that's a cracking answer. Uh, just before you go, Philip, um, for those who have maybe discovered you for the first time through this podcast would you like to shout out any of your youtube or social media stuff uh yeah you can find me at um my youtube channel which is just my name philip hawkins which is one l in philip um and there's there are actually more than i i'm thinking of rebranding because there are several philip hawkinses on youtube that have channels called philip hawkins so i might i might rebrand it at some point but if you need to find me specifically it should be pretty obvious because it's me standing in front of some tardis randalls at the doctor who um, experience in cardiff so um you should be able to spot that i think and then on twitter i am and i i rue the day i chose this username because um if i say it the word it's not spelt like it sounds <laughs> The word the word is Udex, but it's spelled I U D E X, and then it's underscore Phil. Uh, is is Udex a, a specific reference oh, to something? It's, or? it's a stupid thing that I can't, that I got in uni. I needed I needed an online username for something, and I can't, it wasn't. It was before Twitter, um, and it's I I pick I was trying to learn Latin at the time, so I picked up my Idiot's Guide to Latin. Literally, it was the it was the book that was called the idiot's guide to latin and just flicked through till i found an, a word that i kind of liked the sound of <laughs> and i found that it apparently means judge in latin um which now i cringe at slightly because it sounds very pretentious um calling myself judge phil basically on on social medias but uh, but because i've been using it now for 15 years it's just kind of stuck it's stuck yeah <laughs> maybe that could be the rebrand judge phil Oh, uh, <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> don't worry we've all been there i think my my first email or my first like username ever on the internet was something really stupid like ads the loudmouth or something really cringy and horrible and uh, something i don't want to talk about ever again but we've we've all been there but um no that's fab well philip honestly mate for as this is the first episode of amt Ra mtv radio thank you so so much for agreeing to come on and just uh, wax lyrical with me about all things pop culture it's been a real pleasure thanks for having me on it's been uh, yeah it's been fun no problem man all right well you take care all the best to you and your family as well cheers all right until the next time guys we will see you in the next one